this is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. What up, T-Guys listeners? Welcome to episode 69 of The Glory in Our Stories. This podcast has been picked up by AHA Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major platforms. On this episode, we have Catherine Zitgraf, a.k.a. Catherine the Great, a local poetic legend in Augusta, Georgia, who's a literary beast on the microphone. Check it out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Glory in Our Stories. This is Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr., your host. Uh, today, I have the distinctive pleasure of speaking with Miss Catherine Zickgraf, uh, aka Catherine the Great. Um, just to give you a brief history, I, I met Catherine years ago. I think I visited Mass Studios for the first time because I've been hearing this big thing about it. And I was in college, and it was one of those one only one of the few things that I didn't and didn't mind investing my time in and checking it out and came across so many people that have stepped across that stage and, and uh, graced the mic. And um, I remember the last time I went was um, uh, Spring, Spring Robinson. That was the last performance I saw. Yeah. And um, I remember her <laughs> telling me that she was so nervous before she went up there. Yeah. And um, not she had she had a little something special in her cup. She said, "Yeah, I, did, I need this." Okay. <laughs> and I was it's like, "But, happened. but when she got up there, you could never tell." And it was just something so powerful she about her beautiful. voice, man. But for you to provide that opportunity back then, man, and it's and I'm pretty certain that people just branched out and started their own thing. So. But everything, yeah. most of everything, originated there. Oh, I had studios. a blast. It was an honor for me yeah. to have so many people cross the stage. So, and, uh, yeah, just to, just so many different people from Augusta. You know, artists know other artists, as you said, yeah. who know other people who appreciate art. And yeah. we did spread out. Yeah. That was good. Good time. So uh, where were you? Were you born here in Augusta? Or were you? I was born in Dallas, Texas. My dad was in seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent most of my time growing up right outside Philadelphia. Okay. A little steel town, steel mill town. My uh, grandfather worked at the steel mill, and uh, and so it was. Um, oh, my great grandparents lived in the town with with all my grandparents, and uh, I went to the same high school as my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Had the same teachers. Wow. And uh, a high school taught me to leave my little town. Mm-hmm. It taught me. I was bullied a lot, and it was great because it ultimately bounced me out. Yeah. So I went to Miami and uh, my uh, the University of Miami, and then I came back with a wonderful, wonderful man who I married <laughs> um, right after I graduated. And so I got to move into, we moved into my great-grandmother's house when she died 
um, like within the year after we got married. So it was mm-hmm. a blessing to keep her house in the family. Yeah. And it was also just beautiful to have this sweet little house that I grew up in somewhat too. Mm-hmm. So do you remember like your friends from back then or do y'all still stay in contact? Um, some of them. And I mean, you know what a momentous thing Facebook is and the yeah. way we hook up to, you know, I don't know, that person we met last week at the place. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're friends. <laughs> but certainly being able to, to hook up back up with my high school friends was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, yeah. So cultural-wise, what's the what, what would you say is the difference between Dallas and over here in Georgia? Well, I didn't know much. I, I was only in Dallas for a little while. Mm-hmm. So Philly is really my, that's oh. where my alternative accent comes from because <laughs> i could speak the southern yeah. I'm, I'm filling in with i'm blending in with the the residents yeah. of the place <laughs> yeah um but the difference is let's say between philly and um and here um many many there's universal ties to all of us but mm-hmm. also um, i find that it's normal and common and understood to get on a stage and talk about God. Wow. Um, you can you can do that in Philadelphia. You can mm-hmm. do that, you know, at, at Bob's Southern Barbecue mm-hmm. in downtown Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> or outside Temple University. You can do that there, but it's a, it's surprising. Yeah. And I think many people had that, that great aunt who took them to church, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether they were going to like yeah. it or not. They were going... Um, so people tend to have church in them, or the experience they 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 can they remember what that was like, yeah. regardless of. I mean, sometimes w- there's generations back, so it was your great grandmother who took you to church. Um, but um, but that that kind of thing um, isn't quite as common in the north, mm. and that's okay because there's a there's a current underneath. Yeah. What people talk about on the surface. And it's funny because we, uh, I just learned about the term Bible Belt like years ago. Yeah. And about what that meant. And the more people speak on subjects from that aspect, yeah. like, it makes sense. Like down here, um, a lot of people are, for lack of a better term, more religious yeah. than anyone else. And um, like, fence my mom. I mean, she, she's the one that took us to church. And um, my foundation is rooted in that. But when we turn 18, she said, you know, you have an option. If you, you can go. When I wake up in the morning, I ask you if you want to go. If you do, do not. That's fine. It's on you. Um, but she, in her mind, as a parent, she said, I planted the seed. Yes. Now I have to watch it. That's wise grow. of her. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's also difficult to have adult children. Yeah. And so she sounds like she, she handled things very deliberately and carefully. Mm-hmm. And speaking of kids, you look just like your oldest son. Like, I see it. Every yeah. time I see him, I'm like, wow, that's, that's Catherine. That's so cool. I, I see his birth father in him. <laughs> Of course you do, yeah. That's probably a common thing. Yeah. the dad. So yeah. um, when did you move here to Augusta? Um, 20, 2008. Okay. Yeah, my husband was in the military. And uh, we moved, and then he deployed. Mm-hmm. But I, this is a place that understands that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, strangers came from the base to help me. Oh, when wow. I needed help most. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a military thing. So how was 
I'm, I'm, I guess I'll ask you this since you were a military wife. Yeah. Like, what was that like? Was Did you, um, did y'all, were y'all able to communicate more often? Or, yeah. And did you find that those moments where you would just felt alone and isolated? And, like, how, did, how was that experience for you? Well, there was a, I, oh, wow, that's a good question. Really? <laughs> Have you ever had anyone cry here on the glory in our stories? <laughs> yeah, well, really? so, yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, I, I found, like many people, I have depressive episodes mm-hmm. and have great medication. Um, but I kept having the same, like every couple of months I'd have another episode and I'd try to throw medicine at it and it wasn't really working. Yeah. It was the wrong medicine. Um, but... That was difficult because when my husband deployed, I was in the middle of an episode that I didn't realize until I looked back, yeah. which is probably common. And uh, I ended up surrounding myself with whoever, mm-hmm. whoever can be around. I was just, I didn't want to die of loneliness. Yeah. So I, I wasn't meant to be away from my husband. Yeah. And I think that's okay. <laughs> People talk about um, uh, codependence, mm-hmm. which is... Which is, uh, I think, a whole other thing when it's talking about marriage. Yeah. Where it's okay. It's okay to be a team, <laughs> to need your teammate. Yeah. Yeah, so he came back and I said, there's no more. There will be no more. We're not signing up again. <laughs> we did it. We're done. Yeah. Thank you all for listening so far. Keep tuning in as we take a break and be right back. Hello again, TIGAS listeners and all local vendors and entrepreneurs. Act now and you can be granted 30 to 60 seconds of advertisement on the next episode. If you are indeed interested and require more details, contact me via email at mrpennywell8 at gmail.com. That's M-R-P-E-N-N-Y-W-E-L-L, the number eight at gmail.com. Or find me on Facebook under Calvin Pennywell. Stay cool, stay calm, stay kind. Let's continue to uplift, move forward, and branch out. Love each other, but most importantly, love yourself. And now, back to the episode. Um, it's funny you said about um, the, the concept of teamwork when it comes to marriage. That's something that I'm learning with Adrian because we haven't crossed that threshold yet. But once we do that year, it's funny because we're making plans to get to that point. And once your mindset changes, it's like you no longer... It's no longer you. It's yeah. like us. Yes. And it makes a big difference. I and I and I can I can feel the the interwoven of us, and it's getting closer and closer. And it's very yeah. it's a very warming experience. And Adrian made a good point. She said that usually for a woman, people ask her, um, "Are you excited?" Yeah. But for a male, <laughs> they ask, "Are you scared?" Mm. And they yes. always ask me, "Am I scared?" And I tell them, "I'm I'm this I'm I'm happy. But this is something I've been looking forward to for a long time." And I wonder why is it? Why is that? Do you think that's a cultural that's expectation, or it sounds like a it? The question itself sounds like you're distrusting the person, the the engaged person's uh, commitment, yeah, or ability to commit, yes, yeah. and um, and yeah, distrusting the decision that you made and whether you are capable of doing making those decisions or. And because I, I mean, there's so, there are so many things involved because you mm-hmm. when you blend your life, your lives, um, you are you are twisted together as as you should be. Yeah, that's the point. But yeah, are you excited? Are you excited about 
because it's often about a wedding yeah. as opposed to are you excited about marriage yes <laughs> different things <laughs> very very different very different yeah. and um that's one thing i'm looking more i'm looking forward to the most is marriage yes. and what that offers because no offense to i'm not downsizing downplaying the actual ceremony sure. but you have we have to think about beyond that oh yeah as far oh, as money yes. you're like we're we gonna have money for bills i'm yes. gonna have money to maintain this Right. So um, I'm thankfully I've had I've been surrounded by my friends who happen to be married, and the reason why they are the way that they are because they maintained, and they've decided, hey, this is what we're doing, this yeah. is what works best for us, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you this: in the midst of all this, how did your writing play into this? What did your writing do for you? And how long have you been writing? Have you been writing since you were younger? Um, or? Yeah. A lot of people will tell you that, right? Yeah. I've been a poet since I was, <laughs> since I can remember. Um, yeah, my oldest, my oldest re recorded stuff is from age nine, and I, it was good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff at nine. Um, and yeah, I continued writing. It was it was very healing for me. Mm -hmm. It helped me. I think it gave me a certain kind of emotional maturity, which helps because I feel all kinds of awkward. Like many artists, yeah, you know, sometimes you pretend <laughs> that you're not, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's an artist thing to not fully grasp um, what other people grasp. <laughs> Reality yeah. is a different thing yeah. to an artist, and um, yeah, but in but I didn't write for about ten years um, after I got married. I wasn't sure what to do next. You know, I, yeah. one minute I'm walking around on Miami campus, climbing on roofs and studying, and the next minute my job is to clean the kitchen, which I like yeah. to do, but it's to go from excitement to now your job is to clean the kitchen. <laughs> it can be a little lonely. Um, but yeah, from that time until, until my husband went away to Korea, so about 2008, so about 10 years, I was raising babies. Yeah. And that's a great thing to throw yourself into because <laughs> they require it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I was glad when it, the time came for me to be able to write again. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't say enough about my MySpace friends. Remember that? <laughs> that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but the writing groups on, on MySpace, the people didn't mind s saying what they loved, but they didn't mind telling me the, the, the parts that sucked. Yeah. But also gave me advice that really has been helpful to me. Yeah. Very specific writing advice. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, from then on, for the last 10 years, well, yeah, more than 10 years, I've been publishing yeah. or having things published. And uh, yeah, so, so as I said, there's, well, there was a time when I was, when I fretted. So <laughs> 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 really, these are the kids, don't fret. <laughs> that I, um, it, was, it disturbed me that I didn't have anything to write about. Yeah. But I say this, when you're not writing, you're living so mm -hmm. that you can write about it when it's time. I agree. And um, yeah, it was a real blessing when it was time. Mm. Wow, because I really, 10 years, that's, because for me, I think the longest drought I had personally was maybe a year or two, wow. but for 10 years, yeah. wow. Yeah. So uh, what was the, so when you did start writing, what was like the, the, the main subject or the main topic for well, you? I. I had one of the projects I set about to do mm -hmm. was, um, well, let me put it this way also. I recommend this to other people. Yeah. 
we often say, I have such an interesting story, I would like to write it all down. Mm-hmm. It's a common thing, I recommend it. Um, but I took pieces of stories, or I took small stories, and um, a paragraph to a page and a half, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and I made episodes for the story. And then, you know, seven episodes and put it together, and it's a, it's a short story. And, um, but it helped me heal. Yeah. So seven episodes chronologically of growing up, and once mm-hmm. I I wrote it, once I write something down, I feel like I've healed so much from, from, you know, if there was something that I needed to heal from. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. That's funny because I think what's that's what writing has done for me, and I, I tell people that writing is healing. That's like yeah. the only reason I write now. Yes. When I was um, in high school, my goal was to be one of the iconic writers like Shakespeare. Somebody, my goal was to be a writer mm-hmm. that the teacher pulls out and say, we're gonna study this person for two weeks. So it was the the uh, the fame of it that I okay. wanted. But my um, senior or soft, no, senior or junior English teacher, she said, you know, if you have any work, bring it to me and I critique it. So when I did, she would give it back to me, but she used red pens. Yeah. And it just, she just, if she could have might as well just scribbled and say, you need to take this out. This, no, this isn't right. Go do without that. Oh. This is wrong. And just, just do this and huh. bring it back to me. So I was like, <laughs> as a writer, it hurt my pride. You know, when you're young, you think you know everything. Yeah. So I told myself that if I go to school, I will go to school so that this won't happen again. But when I went to school, like you said, surrounding myself with other writers, that is very important because people pull pinpoint things that you can't see, yeah. especially when they're more objective. And uh, having a writing community, that is yeah. very, very important. And um, you, you, you mentioned that you had groups on uh, MySpace, yeah. right? remember that. <laughs> how, did, how did that work? Like, how did you, um, did you all exchange work and then you just gave feedback? And or did it was y'all meet a, up? like a message board. Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone posts something and then you can have a bunch of comments afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically like that. But what what's neat is, um, you know, when you talk to strangers online. Yeah. <laughs> they live all, all, all around the world. I have met, I think, 10 of those MySpace people in real life. Oh, wow. All across the country. So that's really exciting. So they don't just live in my computer. <laughs> they actually exist. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, are the, what were the conversations like? Do y'all talk about work and do you incorporate life? or? Um, let's see. Um, starting out as strangers, we, you know, we just post work. Mm-hmm. And then people would be able to comment on it. Um, and, and it was both encouragement and critique. Yeah. And, you know, I love critique. I thrive from it. doesn't mean I use and apply everything. Mm. But some things I do, and I'm really grateful. Some big things, big parts of poems have been affected yeah. by critique. And um, I have to tell you on the topic of critique, one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> ways of being... Well, this is, I don't think it's a critique, but it was change your name. You're not that great. <laughs> that's clever, but you yeah. and a lot of other people have come up with that before. But that's not necessarily helpful critique. Um, there's the helpful kind. So somebody told you that. Yeah. Oh wow. And probably several. 
But um, I, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, how can I yeah. get too upset by yeah. some stranger somewhere? <laughs> but um, but more more specific ideas such as you know look at the first line, look mm. at the first word of every line. Maybe try to avoid the on every yeah. line unless you're doing it on purpose. Then have at it. <laughs> you do you do what you need to do. Um, but yeah, and, and fewer prepositions mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting how you can change a prepositional phrase to possessive of course just in English yeah. um, like <laughs> the um, a nursery without corners can be a cornerless nursery and that's just one example mm. yes I remember the first time I heard Catherine perform at Mass Studios and it's just this energy that she brought uh, it was hard to say that it wasn't contagious. Um, when you grace the stage after her or before her, because she was the host, um, you had to bring it. People were waiting to be inspired, waiting to be moved. And um, she was a great transition between the artists. Uh, but actually listening to her work uh, was always compelling. And I love it when artists give tips and ideas on how to improve themselves, uh, especially writers in reference to me, because I'm always looking out, looking for ways to better myself as an artist and as an individual. Um, but yeah, yo, continue to listen to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with Catherine Zitgraf, a.k.a. Catherine the Great. And don't always take out your prepositions. <laughs> <laughs> I would never say always do it this way. Yeah. But, um, but it's a good recommendation to try sometimes. When you're writ- when you're doing written poetry. Yeah, and that's one thing I've I've admired about your work because you've posted over the last years, a oh, few yeah. years, um, yeah. being a trained writer and not just writing, but paying attention to detail and yeah. and being strategic with oh, what yeah. you do and how you do it, and um, being a fan of format. When a lot of people aren't doing that many days, everything's free verse, or because that's that's my preference, but. Um, doing format has allowed me to use whatever in front of me and ask myself how much can I fit in here without it being crowded I like that yes that's a good way of explaining um, you know different ways of looking at things Um, format is interesting because um, well poetry can be for the ear Mm -hmm. it can be for the eye it certainly can be for both all the above and none of the above all at the same time and uh, when it's for the ear you know it's often you're listening to it and um, but you can also be reading it and hear it in in your heartbeat in your in your own internal rhythm yeah so I think that spoken word when it's meant to be expressed out loud it the rhythm is is very important mm-hmm. and there are many ways of doing rhythm um, but in terms of format, um, I like to have things published, and uh, I submit them to literary magazines. Mm-hmm. And um, what's neat is that's a wor- that's a poem on a page. That's what you see with your eye. Yeah. But um, I, I like using formats where, if I'm reading it out loud to you, you don't know that it's an acrostic, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I like it where if you look at it, it's one thing, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. To be able to appreciate and understand it, um, because I do think that the content is always more important than the form, just mm-hmm. like the soul is more important than the body, 
that carries it around, but both are really important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the spirit of what you write is always more important than your prepositions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, the cool thing about that, and that's one of the reasons why I love hip-hop music. Yeah. And it's, it's good for the, the ear, but I just read on um, how the, the brain operates when it comes to wordplay. And I learned that it's the, I think the left brain speaks it, and then the right brain translates. Wow. So the right, the left brain will say, uh, yeah, the left brain will say, this is what it is, and then the right brain will, will translate it. And then that's when the aha comes. Because like, oh, now I get it. Because they're working together. Okay, yeah. So one can't do one can't finish without the other. That's interesting. And um, Adrian mentions, because she's studying um, biology, that the aha moment happens in the, the right hemisphere. So when that, when the light bulb comes on, when you yeah. see in the cartoons, that's, what that hap- yeah. that's what's happening physically. I love that there's a biological yes. description of, you know, the aha moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. So um, when, when a writer and a trained poet as yourself knows how to use words, to the point where you hear something and then your right brain has to catch up, so to speak. And it's like you, yeah. the left brain is running and they just run off with whatever you say. But the right brain is saying, this is what, this is what she said. And when you finally touch the shoulder yeah. of the person that's in front of you, it's like, oh, now I get it. This is what she meant. So yeah. having that happen, like that, um, okay. it's like a drug, so to speak. And it, but it's a good one. Cause <laughs> it's, yeah, because it tricks your brain. But at the same time, mm. it tells you the truth. Wow. So I guess that's like it's like a, a lyrical punchline, which wow. hence having the punchline. Yeah, yeah. So um, having being an artist that's gifted enough to do that consistently, um, I've noticed that about your work because when you hear somebody say something, it hits you because you listen and then it comes. You hear it, you feel it. You listen yeah. first and then you feel it. And having that, like you said, incorporate simultaneously yeah. or not at all. It can just be a poem and leave at is. And then or sometimes you can say a poem and then it hits you later. Yeah. That's, and that's the beautiful thing that I, I personally love about it. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's one thing that I've, I've appreciated from a lot of poets is that you dabble in the tradition mm. and also the contemporary and yeah. having that match, that blend of the two. Yeah. Yeah, I would also say that um, the more I wrote spoken word and performed it, mm-hmm. I is when I understood how the words can sound as 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 sonic as pieces of sound in themselves. Yeah, and also the rhythm that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to even do a spoken word piece to have an to have a rhythm that sounds complete at the end, mm-hmm. and that. That that just sounds whole in itself. Yeah. So I le- I learned that from so- hearing so many spoken word poets come through, and uh, yeah, there's so much to learn, and yeah. uh, that's one that's one of the things how to make rhythm, even on a page. Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite poets? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Alicia Harris, and she her, she's most famous for. Um, um, let's see, I, I messed it up. But she she is a um, she is that girl. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank. All right. You're like yes. <laughs> yeah. That she's amazing, and that was ten years ago. She has grown mm. tremendously. This could be a whole podcast about Alicia Harris. Look her up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I. Um, let's see. Uh, Sylvia Plath and okay. Ann Sexton, and um, how they build off of ideas that came before them. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting how it all builds off of dance and music when we go back as far as we can in terms yeah. of what humanity, how how we inspire each other. Mm-hmm. So um, favorite poets, yeah, those are my big ones. <laughs> and um, speaking on the object of the idea of creating something that existed before you and creating your own, I remember you created your own word. Yeah. What was it again? Um, ornithopteresque. And what is it again? Like, um, what is the definition? Let's see, with, it's like mechanical wings. If you think of uh, Icarus mm-hmm. trying to fly to the sun, um, that's probably a bad example because he had w- wings glued to him. Okay. <laughs> so an ornithopteresque is like a, it's a robotic robotic wings. Yeah. And then the esque, of course, is the adjectival suffix. <laughs> yes, yes. To to make ornithopter into an adjective to describe something. So, yeah. I was a baby poet. I just made stuff up. <laughs> but if you Google it, it's just me. Yeah, well, and I, that's the beautiful. That's the cool thing is being able to create words. You know, and a lot of people create even languages. Like it's funny. Um, Adrian likes playing Sims, but apparently they have their own language. So when they speak. It's nothing like of this world. Yeah. It's just some made-up language that sure. only exists in Sims. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought that was funny. That's and, interesting. And I feel like poetry in itself is its own language. Hello again. Listen, if you're inspired by this podcast or any particular episode, I would love to hear from you. There's nothing better than connecting with other people. Hit me up via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter so we can start some encouraging dialogue, whether it's pertaining to your story or someone else's. And now, back to the episode. Some people can get on a stage and speak, like you said, with the rhythm, but it's... it's it's a way that other people understand mm. because they speak it and they read it as well. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I, I've had mad respect for um, spoken word artists is uh, the ability of memorization. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not the easiest thing to do. No. How did you, uh, <laughs> well, what practices that you, that you uh, partake of that helped you memorize your work as much well, as you have? I found that it was good to always have something in my mind to to go through. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, when I'm doing the laundry, I'm going through it. <laughs> and I feel like it it was harder for me to memorize than other people, but I worked really hard on it. Yeah. You know, just piece by piece, mm-hmm. a little bit at a time. But I really admire how other people don't have to struggle. You can you can kind of picture the ideas that come next as opposed to the words. Yeah. So I'm kind of stuck on the words and the music they make, which is okay too. <laughs> but I haven't really been memorizing too much because I'm OG and don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I can get up there and read something and I feel okay about myself. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, how has um, writing helped you evolve as a person? Because I know for me, writing has really caused me to, to listen more, be more intentional and relational with people. Yeah. Um, and it's also revealed a lot of my weaknesses. And I'll expose them to mm-hmm. the point where I say I have to tackle them because the more I, I sweep them under the rug, yeah. eventually the rug is going to create a mound and then I'm end up tripping over it. So, yeah. like, what is it that what you say writing has done for you mm-hmm. as far as evolving into the person that you are now? Well, I, well, there are many answers radiating in all directions. <laughs> um, well, I certainly feel the healing element Mm -hmm. and I felt what it really truly is to to write something write several things and put it down and walk away and be healed yeah and that's that's amazing um um but for me see it's easy to for me to feel that there could be a a selfish element of what I do um in, in that I really I can, I can uh, think about myself for days. <laughs> I know that's a human thing. We can yeah. think about ourselves. Yeah. We have no problem with that. Um, <laughs> but it did help me to, to uh, certainly to put pictures to my thoughts, yeah. for better or worse, mm-hmm. you know. And um, but also help me empathize with other people because you don't have to write from your own perspective. See, when I lean in, it's like, hey, everybody out there, take notes. <laughs> you don't have to write just from your own perspective. Yeah. But putting yourself in someone else's shoes and imagining, because mm. that's the definition of empathy. Yeah. When you, you can try to picture what it's like from that perspective. And that can be a really, a really good thing for humanity in general. Certainly the more empathy, the better. Yeah. Um, what has been the most difficult thing for you to write about if you were... Hmm. Or do you have any limitations? Or well, I can say that there are poems that I know I will write mm-hmm. when I have more skill, more maturity, yeah. and more words. And I've already seen that I've needed years to write something that I knew, you know, decades ago I was going to write. Yeah. So I, I just kind of I can wait that out and wait until it's time. But in the meantime, make a lot of notes. So, um, thing, so specifically, I want to write a poem about how wonderful my mother is. We all want to write a poem about, yes. Yeah. Um, and my mother's very complex, and I'm grateful for her, and grateful that she made me run away from her. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, but she certainly uh, a muse yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Um, so one day I'll, I'll have... All the words, and I have some words already. Yeah. But uh, I, I am grateful that, um, uh, that being an artist, you tend to get sharper with age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like supermodeling, though. Bless all you supermodels out there. You're awesome. <laughs> but you know, like you get better with age as an artist. Yeah. So that's where we're going with that. I think the most difficult thing for me was to write about my mom. Because I used to think that my words would never be enough. Yeah. So um, I would just avoid that until, yeah. like you say, you build up and you have the words. It's just when the moment comes, yeah. you can deliver it and it just flows. You'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. So that was, and even for my 
it was a, it was hard difficult for my dad for a while because um, we uh, we didn't grow up together um, but it was all this anger and frustration but sure. like you said healing came through writing so I was able to close that door nice. and say this is what it was but this is where we are now we're both alive why not focus on yeah. the now so writing helped me deal with that as well because instead of focusing on what could have happened yeah i can focus on my future you know with my wife wow. to be yeah so that's, uh, that's also a sign of you know just just you know wisdom yeah that you have that that because mo- many people do not have that you know emotional maturity to to see well this is where i want to be in my stage of healing mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna i'm gonna give i'm gonna go in that direction yeah. because um being happy is better than being sad and i know that's really simplistic but that's what i say to my children yeah choosing choosing to be happy is happy yeah. <laughs> it's more happy <laughs> than sad um, and i'm glad you're looking forward that's the direction you're going yeah i, um, I, I have to uh, and speaking of your kids, are your kids writing as well, or do they yeah, have other interests? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, my oldest, who's going to be 29 on Saturday, wow. he writes a lot. He does. He he raps. He had a stage where he wanted to, you know, be a professional rapper, and mm-hmm. that's reserved for a very small percentage of people yeah. in this world. <laughs> yes, and um, I mean, he's in seminary now, so mm-hmm. he he loves to write. He writes incessantly. Yeah, he's um. He's bipolar as I am, and there's a benefit to it. So mm-hmm. you have to seize the benefit when there's negatives as well. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, he writes. He writes a lot, and uh, and my my other children do too. Yeah, they're creative people. <laughs> and I'm glad that you. Now that's one thing that I'm glad that my mom did. She never told me to get away from writing. Because I, I had went to school with a lot of students who changed their majors because the parents said there's nothing lucrative about the arts. And so they changed it. And I was like, you know, I, and I understand that. I perfectly do. And for a while, I wanted to dab, dabble into something that would probably be more profitable and something I can live off of. Yeah. Um, but like you said, um, being happy, <laughs> that, is, that is very important. Very, and even into adulthood. Because sometimes you can get into such, you can just go and get into the motions, and 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 um, void the possibility of just like you said, being being pleased with who you are and where you are. And I I remember listening to, I was watching this show, and a mom was talking about how she was upset. She was at a table, and I mentioned this before. She was talking to her kids, and she was just went off. It was Christmas. And they were like, what's wrong? They're like, do you know how it feels for a mom to give herself to her kids and never get that back? Because once you all leave, that's it. Like, where's, where, where does that leave me? Mm. And I, as a man, I only got kids yet. I was like, that hurt. <laughs> man, it hurt. But to, um, to see, going back to, like you said, being happy, like that's, and as a parent that doesn't, you know, try to persuade your kids to do what, what's normal mm-hmm. or to go with a flow of society. Yeah. You know, that parents like you, that helps. It helps remind us kids that, hey, what we're doing isn't so bad. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, being, being an artist, being a writer, it just adds dimension to who you are yeah. and how you process who you are. 
and um, it can make you, you know, wiser. Or it can make you more self-centered. Um, <laughs> but the, I'm sure there's always a continuum, and you want the right. You want to raise your kids so that they're on the on a in a good area of that spectrum of, yeah. you know. You know, thinking through things versus thinking only about themselves. <laughs> so you know, we're I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So what do you, I'm actually this as a, as a, I'm just curious, what do you think about the current stage of poetry? Good question. Like here in, in 2019, the yes. reason being is because the only person that everybody was talking about for a while, because we discussed this yes, last time, was Rupi Kaur. Yes. And to a lot of people, her work seems elementary. Yeah. But I understood after hearing why she did it. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, that's, that's understandable. But the, for, yeah. for other people that are well-trained artists, it seems like it's like a slap in the face. Well, so. I guess if the standard of good or bad in poetry right now, I guess if the standard is, is well, fame and money, to be simplistic, fame yeah. and money, yeah. um, then I can see why... You know, pointing our direction at Rupi Kaur would be frustrating for other artists. Yeah. Because she's making she's making the money, <laughs> and and she struck gold in a way, and and how how to make money. You know, mm-hmm. the Insta poetry. Yeah. And um, I actually saw that there was a, let's see, the um, their statistics. The UK has book sales statistics, and mm-hmm. they they found that um, that last year book sales grew by twelve percent. And forty percent of the people buying were teenage girls, so I mean, mm. you can see that Ruby Core and Insta Poetry certainly would appeal to people, yeah. you know, of the similar era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, while I find her stuff very simplistic, um, I don't feel that I don't. I'm, she doesn't necessarily have the life experience to come up with. You know, she she can't give us that much wisdom. She certainly can't share too much wisdom with me. But I'm sure there's a little kernel in there because there's yeah. there's good things to learn from everybody. Yeah. But um, I think this is one of those bless bless her heart. She should do what she does. I find a lot of foolishness, but it's not based on because I want to be uh, rich and famous. Yeah. But just because um um because it is interesting how she. She has our attention, mm. and and then there's, you know, again, she struck gold on the right formula. Yeah. Um, but our U.S. poet laureate is is someone pretty pretty cool, mm-hmm. in the sense that um, the that I'm hopeful. To answer your question, I'm hopeful at where at the state of poetry yeah. in the world and how it's uh, appreciated and inspirational to other people to write Mm -hmm. so um it's neat because um the poet laureate joy harjo she's um she's of the muskogee creek tribe in i think oklahoma Mm. but she is she's very beautiful she's 68 like a beautiful way of putting thoughts together and making some sense yeah and a 68 year old certainly is is ready to tell i mean it's something i can learn from exactly and um you know rupee you realize as you get older the, the, that you know little <laughs> you know you think you know li- less as you get older but you you know certainly know more yeah um, and she'll get there yeah yeah 
That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody told me this recently. Say you need to give yourself more credit for where you've come, how far you've gone. Nice. Because I used to look at myself like I don't know any. I don't feel like I've. And then Adrian has constantly reminded me. I say think about where you were at the beginning of college and think about where you are now and everything that you told me like you've, yeah. you've been through some stuff yeah. and I'm like yeah I have it's like you have something to share and whether it's via your writing your art or just having a conversation yeah. with someone and um, it's awesome to see people evolve because you see where somebody is now yeah. and then you think about how they were previously like man what yeah. But not to hex it in a, in a, in a bad way. Like, right. dang, what happened? Yeah. And like, well, this happened. Life. Life happens, yeah. It surprises you. And, you know, in the sense of it's probably a good idea not to be too surprised when you get surprised. Yeah. With different with things happening in life. Um, I spent some time being sick, as you know. Yeah. And uh, I went to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, and they, they were a blessing. Um, but one of the things I learned um, was that there you can you can have an A self, you know that that's where I was before I got sick, mm-hmm. and then my B self is being sick, and now that I'm healthy and healed, I'm not my A self again. I'm my yeah. C self, and that's just reality. You can dislike it. I like that. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. That's that's basically describes it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And because um, I've noticed, like my friend, one of my closest friend, um, she was her a self before, well, a self when she was dating her husband yeah. at the end of uh, high school. Yeah. Then her b self when they broke up. Then they got married. When they got back together, and then they had kids. And now she's her c self because she's just different yeah. than she was when I first met her. And but it, her who she is is still in there. It's just yeah. that she's a lot more wise. Yeah. Um, and she's just different. And sometimes I sit back and like, wow. I even noticed that about my own mom. Like, why wow, you're different. This is yeah. I've seen you grow as much as you've seen yeah. me. Yeah. So. Um, Absolutely. But going from A to B to C. Yeah. That's that's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, for the sake of time, I guess I ask you this one last question. Um, from beginning to end, um, what would you say is the glory in your story? Well. Um, I'm thing. sorry. I'm not gonna say beginning to end. That sounds, okay. more, that sounds more. <laughs> We're gonna put a stamp on that. It's done. No, from no. from beginning right. to now. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have learned that I am not destined for destruction. Mm-hmm. In the sense that I have, I know I know that because of mercy and miracles. Yeah. In my life, mercy in you know all the things I all the terrible things I deserve you know mm. that I have not given I haven't been given yeah. and deserved as in negative things you know mm-hmm. I, I deserve to bear the consequences of that but sometimes the consequence is mercy yeah. um, and I, I've seen a lot of that um, I you know I was kid on the streets and, and uh, run away for days at a time at 12 and was had my first son at 14 and uh, those kinds of things I survived the, the, the biggest way of knowing I survived was getting married to a wonderful husband because that's one of the be- one of the ways I know I'm not destined for destruction yeah. because God gave me that beautiful gift mm-hmm. um, of a family and um, 
Yeah, the glory, the glory is just I know of mercy and miracles. Mm. And um, miracles in the sense that I, I walked with a cane and I was in a wheelchair uh, a couple years ago and now I don't need those things. Yeah. So those are miracles. Because when I was getting out of my car, I thought I saw you, but the last time I saw you, you had a cane. Yeah. And I was like, wow, she's walking. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. what's up. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to be in a wheelchair and then not. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think that was a possibility. Wow. But I wish that upon everybody. But there are mercy and miracles in so many ways. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Yes. We're not destined for destruction or forgetting the wealth of our souls. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm, I will call you Catherine the Great because you've been a great influence on a lot of us artists, mm -hmm. giving us a venue to express ourselves, whether it was comedy, music, yeah. or poetry. I mean, every it was a variety of people that came through there. Yeah, and I you enjoyed you all. You didn't exclude us. Not at all. And I, man, I really, really appreciated that. So thank you. Um, for those of you who are listening, uh, this is the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with I would like to call Catherine the Great. <laughs> thank you. No problem. Yo, thank you for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of the glory in our stories. <laughs>